This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Nate Aiken. Have with me, as always, my brother John. And then also joining us for this conversation on Jonah, we have Matt Caps and Josh Redberg. In the last uh, episode, we walked through chapter one of Jonah. This week, we're going to walk through chapter two. So let's let's start how we normally do, John. Uh, for those kind of listening in their car, or how you know maybe some people run when they listen to podcasts, uh, <laughs> if if they do such things, uh, give an overview of the chapter and then any big textual issues. Always makes me think of Back to the Future three when. When Doc's telling them in the future, people will run for recreation. And the guy says, run for fun. What kind of fun is that? Uh, but anyways, um, so chapter two is basically Jonah in the belly of the fish. And it's a poem prayer that he prays from the belly of the fish. One of the things that I think, too, that, to point out is as we're preaching narrative, and as we think about, and I kind of picked up verse 17 of chapter one and you know, this great fish that swallows up Jonah as I, as I lead into it. And one of the things I found really helpful from Chuck Swindoll, because one of the things we want to do when we're preaching Old Testament narrative is, is to kind of wash away the children's Bibleification, vacation Bibleification of these things where you kind of see them as cartoonish. And so now this is, this is dated, okay, because Chuck Swindoll says this is not like Pinocchio. All right. So in, in Pinocchio, Geppetto's in the belly of the whale and he's got like a kerosene lamp and it's it's not really a bad, <laughs> bad place to be. And so Squindall says it was pitch black, sloshing gastric juices were washing over you, burning your skin, your eyes, your throat, your nostrils. Oxygen is scarce and each frantic gulp of air is saturated with salt water. The rancid smell of digested food causes you to throw up repeatedly until you only have dry heaves left. Everything you touch has the slimy feel of the mucous membrane that lines the stomach. You feel claustrophobic with every turn and dive of the great fish. You slip and slide in the cesspool of digestive fluids. There are no footholds, no blankets to keep you from the cold, clammy depths of the sea. Mm. And uh, that's very picturesque from uh, <laughs> Mr. Swindoll. But I think it hel- it helps us to think about the desperation that Jonah's in, the the chastisement of the Lord, the, the judgment of God that he's facing. Uh, remember one preacher saying that, I mean, for the rest of his life, he would have probably borne the marks uh, and the scars of, I mean, he might have been bleached at this point. And, you know, hair maybe like Matt could never grow again uh, on top of his head. <laughs> Just messing with Matt. That's, um, that's fine. <laughs> got the, the Jordan look over there. But I mean, so, so just start with that kind of like, man, trying to put them in the story, what this would really be like. And then from that place, he he offers this incredible prayer of basically like just distress and calling out to the Lord for salvation. Um, you know, a, a prayer of 
of confession, really, you do start to see some, at least, glimpses of his recognizing that what he's done is wrong here. Um, we'll find out later. It's not been a complete transformation. But, um, and one of the things that's key, I just want to point out textually, is he, he talks about there um, in verse four about, I shall look again at your, I've been driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again uh, at your holy temple. And then he says in verse seven, when my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And this is a um, scripture interpreting scripture in, in Solomon's dedication prayer at the temple. What he prays is there's coming a day in the future when we will be driven from this land, when we will be driven away from your presence, when we'll be in distress, where there'll be famine, where there'll be enemies that we cannot face. And when that happens, we're to direct our face to the temple and cry out to you, and you will hear us, and you will answer. And um, and he says salvation, and his, his final confession is salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited him up on the dry land. And um, and so that's that's the chapter. This just this confession and recognition that salvation belongs to the Lord, that He is the one who is merciful and gracious. Um, and so that's that's chapter two. Josh, anything you'd add there or any textual issues that to bring up? I think the biggest question that you've got to deal with is how do you understand Jonah's repentance? Um, so I've heard it taught different ways. One is that this was true repentance, which is why he is delivered from the fish. I've heard it taught the opposite way, which is it's not true repentance. Notice the fish vomits him out, um, almost expels him that it was from a lack of repentance. I I sort of taught it in the middle that I think he was repentant, but yet he didn't really get to the root of his problem. So he, if you will, he repented of his running and yet still hadn't yet faced the root of why he ran. But I think you have to make that decision. And it's a it's more of an interpretive question than I think a textual question, um, because you can make an argument textually uh, sort of on both sides of things. So I, I think that's something the preacher has to decide. Hmm. Matt, anything you'd add there or even thoughts on, on what Josh just brought up? Yeah, uh, so I, I kind of took the same approach Josh did, because uh, if you read just a wide variety of commentaries and scholars on this, they're all over the place, uh, whether they're conservative or liberal, whether they think he actually repented or didn't repent. And um, I remember I did in the sermon talk about the difference between uh, regret and repentance, remorse and repentance. And um, I think I think I think the ambiguity in the text does have provides you the opportunity to like the reader to look back on themselves and say, like, am I truly repentant? And I think we go through seasons. So I think in some ways you can use the ambiguity there or the 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 different perspectives to call the listeners to examine their own selves and see are they truly repentant. And I do I, I just love the beauty of chapter one and two, again, the pattern of you know, going down into darkness, which always leads to death. And then the idea of, you know, God hurling the storm against the ship, the sailors hurling Jonah into the shore, the fish eventually hurling Jonah onto dry land. Um, so it's like Jonah's rebellion takes him down further into death and darkness, but God's grace um, is hurled at him at every turn, really. Um, and so you, you can, you can, you can call people to examine are they repentant of their sin or do they regret being caught? Um, and regardless, there's grace for either one of you there if you see it. 
an artist calling us to the beauty of the literature there. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, John, we'll jump to you and give us the Christ connections in, in chapter two, and and uh, and then we'll go to application. from Yeah, first, I want to jump in. So I, I, I'm not going to disagree with anything that they just said, but, I, but I'll say this. Like, it, it gets me kind of fired up. It ticks me off to read commentators who are so negative about any prayer or anything in the Bible. Like, they almost just expect that the people were as wicked as they could possibly be. And so like when I'm reading in Judges and they, and they act like the judges are just the most wicked men ever and that God wasn't actually using them and they were just all that just completely selfish. And I'm like, these these people show up in Hebrews 11. I mean, you idiots. And so like it, it just, it gets all over me. Like I, I always just think when I'm reading some commentators of the Old Testament that it's like Revelation 12, the, the accuser of our brothers who accuses them day and night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, I, so for me, I, I think it's genuine because I, I like to think that my repentance in the moment is genuine, even if I'm not fully sanctified in that moment. Um, but that's, that's just, that's just me. So I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll stop my, I didn't expect <laughs> I think to say I think that. that's fair. I think it's fair. I think, I mean, we, we do repent and we're not fully sanctified in this life. And so I, I think when I read, when I'm reading this, like it did cause me to wrestle with the nature of my own repentance on certain areas and it's never fully complete, right? We're always repenting. And that's kind of the angle I was taking it, you know, when I was the, the preaching, but I definitely get your point and what you're trying to get at there. I just think that too, I mean, again, not, not trying to get too much on a tangent, but I, but I think that like, if we say that, that you can't ever truly be repentant, if you are paying attention to the consequences and circumstances of your sin, that that's just not accurate. That, yeah. But I do think that as fallen, as fallen, as redeemed and and in the process of th- being sanctified people, that even our repentance will t- at times be intermingled with things that are not virtuous. Yeah, and you could say sometimes your circumstances and even your regret can lead you to true repentance. I agree. Yes, that's well, yeah. And that's I think a better this way is it. a pastoral moment to our people. A lot of times we repent of the surface action, and it isn't until later that we mm-hmm. get to the root of it. So. You know, I got angry with yeah. my wife. I repented of the unkind word. And it wasn't maybe till the next week, maybe it wasn't until five years later that I got that I started to realize, wait, below those unkind words were these other motives. And so I think there's a great pattern here of Jonah. I think he's repentant of running from God. And in chapter four, God starts to say, like, well, yeah, you haven't actually dealt, though, with the motive behind why you ran, which yeah, uh, this is good sp- you know, sanctification, which we start with the mm-hmm. surface actions, the responses, and God's kindness doesn't stop there. It gets down to the, the heart issues um, below it. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017, and now select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. 
There was never a moment before him. There will never be a moment without him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. All right. So, so the, the, the way I, so I did quote Matthew 12 in this sermon and, and, and so it's to show how much I need to do work on scripture memory in the new Testament. What I said um, in the previous podcast is exactly what Jesus says here. So, so I'll just read it. Uh, Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's proclamation, and look, something greater than Jonah is here. Um, and so that would have been a good good connection to make. But the way I did this is um, is water. I, I just traced how water is a is a symbol of judgment throughout the Bible. And so you have Noah, Noah's flood, and you have God pouring out his wrath on the world through water, and then he's rescuing Noah and his family through. You have the Red Sea, where God uh, pours out his wrath on the Egyptian army, but he rescues the Hebrews and their families and children safely through. You've got Jonah and God's wrath on him in the, the, the water, and then he uses the... Um, fish as a, as one commentator i think said as a strange ark that mm. carries him through the wrath to the other side and then i point to the cross and so jesus refers to his cross as a baptism that he has to undergo undergo and so he's picturing the cross as being drowned under the wrath of god and then being raised from the dead 3 days later and then I talk about how when he when he walks away from death three days later, bearing the marks of the judgment of God, he then commissions his people to carry out his mission to the world. And that's exactly we see Jonah walk into Nineveh and, and preach to the Ninevites. And so that's that's the connection I made there um, with uh, with Jesus. Josh, additional thoughts on Christ centered connections and, and kind of how you do that to your to your people. Yeah, I think I focus primarily on just the what sin does. So Jonah describes himself as being buried alive, drowning, strangled, imprisoned, trapped, and dying. This is all because of sin. Um, and so a person who's experiencing this has no hope of saving themselves. So they cry out to God, and God delivers them. Uh, it felt like a pretty easy path from that to talk about Christ. Matt, additional thoughts there? No, I approached it the exact same way those two guys did. Um, the following the the water pattern, and then um, really on the, when it comes to sin, you know, you, you have disobedient Jonah, if you will, sitting in the darkness of a of a fish in the ocean, cut off from everything except his reflection on what has happened, what God has done, what He has done. And um, so, I, I one of the things I did do was I said, you know, sometimes the scariest situations or the scariest implications of sin can reveal the depths of God's mercy. Um, and sometimes the scariest thing God can do for us is to give us what we want or turn mm-hmm. us over to the desires of our heart. Remember, Jonah's running, and he ends up about as far as away as you can get in the depths of the sea. But it's in that place, you know, after God gives him what he wants, Jonah reveals what he, what he actually needs, and that's the grace of God. And so just the beauty of the prayer of crying out to God in honesty and, and for grace is. Um, is really moving in that sense. 
So, John, back to you, uh, illustrations, applications you made to make this kind of the connections from Christ to be clear for your people. Yeah. So my application was actually really focused and very simple, and it was calling people to baptism. And so I so I just talked about how, you know, baptism pictures union and believer with crucified, judged and resurrected Lord. And by faith, you're joined to him, buried with him, raised with him. Uh, that's what baptism pictures. And so, um, you know, that's what you're that's what you're called to do in response to what Christ has done for you. And so if that's true, then then like if, if you're getting if you're one who's walking through baptism, then what you're saying is by what we're and what the church is saying is by virtue of this person's faith in Christ, they've been united to Christ. And so 2000 years ago, when Jesus was crucified, this person was crucified when he was put in the grave. They were put in the grave when he was raised from the dead. They walked out uh, from the dead and they have new life. And that new life is to is to be part of a commission to to share the mercy that they've been shown with others. Um, and so that's, that's really what I focused in on. Uh, I was, it was really, again, because of some of the overlap with the other chapters, it was really focused on that specifically. Josh, what about for you guys? Um, one application was that it is God's grace that doesn't shield us from all the consequences of our sin. Uh, Jonah's prison actually becomes a hospital where God heals him. Um, and a lot of times it's it's the circumstances and feeling those effects that brings us to repentance and mercy. Another one is that um, Jonah describes himself as drowning. And two things that don't work when you're drowning. One is swimming harder. Um, all it does is it is exhausts you and it's in a, it's insufficient. Another thing is you don't cling to idols. In fact, they're the first things you let go of because uh, they just pull you under. And so use that as a way to just talk about self-righteousness, uh, religious effort as a means of salvation. And then the last one was, um, it's amazing when Jonah starts praying how, how much his prayer reflects uh, almost exactly different phrases from the Psalms, Psalm 18, Psalm 69. Um, it's, that's what he's praying. And so I encourage people that this is one reason to read your Bible. It becomes vocabulary. Um, for suffering, um, just like a, a soldier in basic training, they exercise so they can respond more quickly. When you read your Bible and it soaks into you, um, it trains you to respond more quickly um, when it's time to repent. And so, use it as an opportunity to encourage them to to be in the in in the scriptures regularly. Matt, what about for you guys? Um, very similar again. The idea that um, running from God disobedience leads you down into the depths of, of, of sin. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it takes getting there, those in that situation, um, um, God almost giving you, I think it was C.S. Lewis who talks about, you know, some of the, again, the scariest thing God can do is give you what you want, uh, the desires of your heart. Uh, but it takes getting to that place um, to realize that, you know, really what you need is, is, is grace and, and God's salvation. Um, so, you know, sometimes we don't realize God is, is or Christ is all we need until he's all we have. And so I do think that, this, that that gospel application there was just calling people to repentance and calling people um, to Christ, to be baptized in Christ as the only hope of salvation. Um, uh, I did it, it, during the sermon talk about the the tension there of 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 um, of how does God forgive us and still be justified. 
uh, right? You know, it's a good, going to Romans three, but that was how I ended the sermon to lead into the chapter four. So maybe I'll hold that for the next podcast. This podcast is generously sponsored by the Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and international Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned, missionally driven, and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. Uh, Josh, you mentioned this in the last um, episode, but I'd be curious if anybody else, particularly in chapter two, addressed maybe even just kind of objections of un- unbelievers, the the whole human being being swallowed by a fish, um, if you kind of went in uh, to that at all. Uh, how would you recommend teachers address something like that? I didn't in chapter two, since I did in chapter one, uh, but I think it's a good uh I think it gets to really the root of you, you can't believe the Bible without believing the supernatural. Um, so I just, again, would connect it to the incarnation and the resurrection, which is if you have trouble with this, you have trouble with the gospel because it is far more improp impossible for a um, for God to become man than it is for a man to live um, for three days in the belly of fish. Like on the scale of miracles, this one's pretty low. So if you have issues with this, you you can't believe the gospel um, because the gospel is far more unbelievable apart from a God who loves and works. I, I'd say, too, I, I don't address this in the message, but I do want to I do want to bring this up to Josh's point. Like there, you know, we've had these calls in recent years from preachers like Andy Stanley who are saying that, you know, we need to, to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament and just focus on Jesus and that kind of. Jesus only Christianity doesn't work because Jesus is the one who said Jonah was real. Like (laughs) Jesus assumes that this was real and it actually happened. And so at some point you can punt. I do think an evangelistic encounter, you can punt and say, well, you know, before we go back and deal with Jonah, let's do, let's deal with Jesus and, and his claims and what actually happened with him and the evidence for that. But you can't punt forever. You're going to have to answer that when they, at some point they're like, well, you told me Jesus is my Lord. And Jesus thinks the flood was real and Jesus thinks Jonah was real and all the most problematic stories in the Old Testament, he thinks they're historical. And so, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to either have to go with the Lordship of Jesus or not. Hmm. Any other thoughts on uh, chapter two, brothers? Okay, great stuff, guys. We'll uh, jump into chapter three next week and we appreciate you listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.